What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Cleaver. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champion. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. What is going on, Zips fans and SPT enthusiasts from near and far? It's time for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Some would even say the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. It's time for the beginning of a new era on Sports Power Talk on WZIP. My name is Logan Congrove, and today I am sitting in a seat that was once held by the great Cameron Justice, Kyle Molinelli, and most recently, evil Mr. Jake Murren. And now I am honored to etch my name on the list of WZIP sports directors and SPT hosts as I am now officially in the driver's seat and could not be more honored and humbled to be chosen as the next leader of this great department. Joining me today is one half of our UFC podcast, the man with a future so bright he wears his sunglasses inside, Kent Roosevelt football legend, Mr. Mitch Bates. Yeah, how's it going, everyone? I forgot my shades today, but (laughs) we're still going to make it happen. For sure, for sure. Also joining me today, he is more reliable than a good number two pencil, the most opinionated man I have ever met, and is now back for his fourth week in a row. His name is Logan Buchanan. Logan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I I was a little scared when you had asked me about reliability stuff. I didn't know what you were going to choose. So number two pencil, I'll take it. I'll number take two it. pencil, indeed. Took a lot of school tests with that. Oh, yeah? Didn't do very great on them, but I took a lot of school tests with a reliable number two pencil. I'm more of a pen guy myself. but Your teachers let you use pens? Yeah. Wow. Must be nice. Must be no different mistakes. over there. One take. One take. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have a great show planned for you today. Starting off with the MLB. Then we're going to get into NFL and Hot Mike Talk. If you haven't got your questions in for Hot Mike yet, head over to our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Reply to the Hot Mike tweet and have your questions answered live on air by us. And then, of course, we're going to have a full hour of the NBA. Talk about some NBA headlines and finish up with the NBA Finals. But let's get right into it. The wait is over. Starting off with the MLB, as I mentioned, specifically our Cleveland Guardians. Let's start off with probably the main headline of the week, which is Aaron Savale was activated from the IL list. Guys, what do you think this does for the Guardians? He did start and he did lose in his first outing, but I didn't think he looked that bad. Logan, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on Savale's return? Yeah, I mean, that the, the thing with him is it's still to be seen. Like you said, uh, he didn't have a bad outing, but it wasn't loss. Uh, I think he's a good option as maybe a relief pitcher. 
because at this time, I really want the Guardians to be focusing on their younger talent, especially Allen and Bibby. I think they need to be your focus and send guys like Aaron Seville to kind of be like a mentor and a reliever for these young guys and build them up. That, that's what I see the Guardians doing. If the Guardians want to run with him, run with him, but he's got to get those wins. He's definitely got to get those wins, especially coming out of uh, the IL. Absolutely. Mitch? Yeah, I 100% agree. I don't think he is a long-term starting picture, starting pitcher option. But if he's able to knock some of the rust off after the injury and come back stronger than he was in the previous season, then I don't see why they can't put him into the lineup in certain spots. But I don't think it's a very large contribution mm-hmm. move. I would agree. I think the Guardians pitching, pitching, as we've talked about many times on these airwaves, has been so inconsistent this season and lots of ups and downs. But an up for the Guardians pitching, which is probably, as I said, Savali was the main headline, but I think that this is probably a bigger headline, is Tristan McKenzie is finally returning to the mound today, this afternoon, for the Guardians. He has not played yet this season. He hasn't played since spring training. I think he's arguably the best pitcher that the Guardians have in competition with Shane Bieber, of Mm -hmm. course. But Tristan McKenzie comes back onto the mound today. What are your expectations for his first outing with Cleveland? I mean, I'm expecting a big, big, big game. If you haven't played for an entire, not an entire season, but, I mean, we're getting towards that halfway mark of the season, and you haven't played yet, you're coming in, you have to be hot, especially with these Guardians who have had some offensive woes in the past. To keep your position when uh, we have guys shining in this uh, pitching position, you need to be the best you can be, especially with that injury, with coming back, and with those younger guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Being the best you can be comes with consistency, and Mm -hmm. that's been the word that I've used for the Guardians for so long is you need to find consistency. That tends to be the word with most Cleveland sports teams, and the Guardians are displaying that perfectly right now. But McKenzie coming back, I feel like that could add a little bit of fire Mm. to the entire Guardians roster, and I hope it does because they're going to need it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Tristan McKenzie brings a huge spark to this Guardians offense that or this Guardians lineup that they mm-hmm. will need. And hopefully his health is consistent. Hopefully he's able to really contribute for the Cleveland Guardians. Looking at the Guardians schedule, the last this series with the Twins, mm-hmm. they have dropped the first two, the first game seven to six, second one one to zero, and they did win yesterday four to two over the Guardians, and they play them today at two ten. Guys, what are your takeaways from this series so far? And how does it af- what implications as this is a division game does it have for the guardians heading forward well i feel like any game for the guardians especially division ones are important as we go forward like i've been saying i need to see some confidence out of the guardians in this these coming games because the confidence will lead to getting on fire and starting to improve this offense that has been not very great this season and I believe this is a perfect opportunity for them to turn things around. Uh, my biggest takeaway is the games have been really close. Only one two-point, uh, two-run deficits. So we just need to, we need that extra edge. And like we mentioned with um, McKenzie coming back on the mound, maybe that's going to bring it. I just we need a deeper offense to widen that those uh, leads, those uh, advantages. So that way we're getting a four-point lead like we had against, I believe it was the Orioles. Mm -hmm. We need those large leads so that way we're safe. We're not, like, fighting all nine innings. Absolutely. Will Brennan hit a homer, a rare homer yesterday 
against Sonny Gray to give the Guardians a 4-2 win. The Guardians' offense, as we mentioned, has been rather inconsistent. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the best solution for the Guardians' offense going forward? Do you think there's a lot of guys down in the minors right now? One of the biggest arguments for the Guardians is there's a lot of guys down in the minors right now, young guys that could be helping the Guardians out is any name that comes to mind for you or any situation that you think would be good for Cleveland to maybe consider to keep this offense going? Um, no names in particular, but I do know that a lot of the uh, Cleveland Guardian minor players, their OBP on-base percentage is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like five, six, five or six of our minor players are averaging better than all of our entire roster. And when we're talking about offense, OBP, that's what you need to be looking at. You know, hits are great. Home runs are great, too. But just get on base. We've seen it with guys like uh, Naylor, who's been hitting home runs, when there's two, sometimes three guys on the plates. That's how you win games, is getting all everyone home. Not just yourself, your whole squad that's out there on the field. Get them home. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I also agree that the minors have been hogging some of these players that could come up and make some noise for the Guardians team. And I think you should start to give some of these guys some opportunities. Mm. And even if you have a bigger name on the Guardians roster right now, if you're not performing, I say send them down and let one of the younger guys come up and give them an opportunity. I am all about young guys getting playtime. Absolutely. Get them out there. Because if you just have a team of old heads, yeah, you have the experience there. But... In two, three, five years, if you're not training these young guys to have that experience, they're going to be 27, 28 with barely any playtime. No experience. At, at that point, None. are they like you're not even an asset? You're just a liability. Right. One name that comes to mind for me majorly is Bo Naylor. Mm. Because the Guardians' catching has been one of the worst parts of the team. They signed Mike Zanino, who was an all star catcher, all star catcher just last season. And he has been terrible. They finally took him out of the lineup, but he has been terrible. Probably of the two signings that the Guardians made in the offseason, two major ones, which was Josh Bell and Mike Zunino, I think Zunino was by far way worse. Yeah. And Bo Naylor is performing fantastic in the minors right now. They called him up, and then they immediately sent him back down. Mm-hmm. Bo Naylor is a name for me that I would love to see on the Guardians, especially considering his brother, Josh Naylor. That'd be a cool concept for the fans, and I think Bo Naylor is just the best option at catcher right now. Have you looked into Bo Naylor at all? Yeah, I, I believe we talked about this a few SPTs ago, that if if one guy's not working, put someone else in. Just put someone else in, see how they're working. And it really depends, I guess, because I'm not the Guardians GM. I'm not their manager. I don't know if they're trying to focus on defense or offense right now. But really, either way, Zanino is not your guy. No. He's not. He's He is batting a .280. That is awful. That is not it's good. terrible. That's so below average that it's not even reliable at that point. You're just a body on the field. Right. Yeah, and I completely agree with the fact that you need to start to develop these young players. You can't just let them sit down in the minors while all the veterans are up here and they're not even winning you games. You have to mix the young guys in a little bit and give them game experience not just oh hey watch watch this game watch your tape no they got to get game time mm-hmm. experience especially in times like this when their success isn't exactly 100% needed cuz it's not like the guardians are a contending team right now 
So I think it's one of the better times to get them in the lineup, get them the experience, let them see different things. So in the future, maybe we're looking at a different Guardians team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, touche, Logan. <laughs> Speaking of these young guys, let's talk about these young rookie pitchers. Oh. Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee, they've been putting in some good work while guys like Savali and Tristan McKenzie are out. Do you think that these guys have earned a permanent spot in our rotation? Absolutely. 100%. Uh, Allen has had 47 strikeouts this season. Tanner isn't too far behind him. He's sitting at 40. And this is great for the Guardians because not only do you have reliable guys sitting here when some of your star pitchers are away, but you have young guys who are going to carry the Guardians further on years down the line. Getting This is, what, this is live proof of what we've been saying. Young guys getting playtime, and performing. Absolutely knocking it out of the park. Uh, I see what the Guardians should do is look at these young guys and start building the team around them, around their pitching style. Yeah, I'm actually really happy that bringing McKenzie back onto the roster didn't send either of Mm -hmm. those two down to the minors. That would have been a little disappointing because they both have shown promise, and that's an extreme positive for a Guardians team that hasn't had many. And when you have two guys, especially like this, who are rookies and they're they're not performing at the peak uh, performance that they could, but it's going to come with it because mm-hmm. that's the development we were just saying. So, yeah, I'm very happy that these two have a spot and hopefully they continue to in the future. Absolutely. I definitely agree that I think both these guys have earned their spot. Like you mentioned, Logan Allen's stats are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Tanner Bybee is not far behind. But let's talk about probably the Guardians' biggest ace as we talk about the pitching rotation, Shane Bieber. Mm-hmm. A lot of analysts are saying right now that the Guardians should consider a Shane Bieber trade. I wanted to get your guys' opinion because I I have an opinion, but I'm not sold on it. I want to see if you guys can change my thoughts on Shane Bieber. Yeah, I did think trading Shane Bieber was a good idea. And part of it was those young talents that the Guardians have right now with Bibby and with Allen. And there's McKenzie and Savale coming back onto the roster, too. There's a lot of competition at pitcher. And I think that gives the Guardians more space to trade Bieber. And from what I've been hearing, there are reports saying that he's going to ask for a pretty big contract. Mm -hmm. And the Guardians giving out a big contract to a pitcher that may not even be a permanent fix for the position i don't see that happening the guardians giving out a major contract to anyone <laughs> it's, it's, it's unlikely to happen <laughs> exactly and that would lead to obviously him walking away and you get nothing for him so i think if you're going to get anything for him just do it as soon as possible because you don't want him to walk away and then you're left with nothing so that's my take on it what's yeah. what do you think the return is like on a guy like beaver in his current state it's very interesting because the production has been sort of downward as of late, but he is still a very talented player, and I feel like it's it's a little tough mm. to dictate what they'll get back for him. See, I, I was thinking the same exact thing about uh, Shane, like his production's been down, so maybe we're not getting a whole lot out of him, but looking at what some of these national analysts are thinking, they're seeing a big outlook for him because he's just that name. You know, even though he's not performing well, he's still Shane Bieber. He's still that name. And I think what we should be doing is trading him before the deadline and getting in either some of our infielders or our outfielders to work around Logan Allen and uh, Bibby because 
if I mean, we've seen our defensive woes. We've seen our offensive woes. Mm-hmm. Now let's work around these young guys and build a team that can consist of. Because if you give away Shane Bieber, you can get. I, honestly, I think you can get two players. I really do. You know, not obviously to that same right. level or name value, but two players that you can build up and, and build around. So let's say the Guardians trade, speaking on how they're struggling with promoting young guys. Mm-hmm. Say the Guardians tra- trade Shane Bieber and they get back two to three prospect players, maybe one or two of them are usable right now. Mm-hmm. Do you see the Guardians managerial staff promoting whoever they get from Shane Bieber, or do you think that they just trade him away and we never see the return? I could see it happening like that. I hope not if they're smart, which I think they are because it seems like they're they're ready for a younger roster. But we also see guys like uh, Rosario, who's getting more start time, who really doesn't deserve it at this point. It's it really like I said. It just really depends on what's going through the GM's mind right now. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I hope that's not the direction that this goes. And I hope that bringing in developmental players and putting a big focus on them, I think that would help the team a lot. Mm-hmm. But we've definitely seen the other side of that. So yeah. So as I said, I had an opinion, and it is going to stay because you guys also had the same okay. opinion. I think the Guardians should make a move for Shane Bieber. However. Or make a move with Shane Bieber. Mm-hmm. However, if I go to an Akron Rubber Ducks game and I see somebody on the field that was in that trade, <laughs> I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> if we're going to trade Shane Bieber, I better see them on the field yeah. or at least maybe in Columbus for a little bit. I better see them at Progressive Field. I better not see them in Akron. 100% agree. If we're going to trade a guy like Shane Bieber, the return better be something serious. Because Shane Bieber, yes, his play has declined this season. But he is no slouch. Mm-hmm. Just last season, I guarantee you, every single Guardians fan would have said that, he, other than like Ramirez, mm-hmm. that he was their favorite player. Guaranteed. Even Jake Murren, who is absolutely in love with Josh Naylor. And when I say <laughs> in love, I mean in love with Josh Naylor. Would probably say that Shane Bieber was up there on his list last yeah. season. There were many times on, this, on these airwaves where people gave him player of the week. If we trade Shane Bieber, the return better be something serious. That's my take. And I don't think that's a hot take. I really don't. I just don't. I The way that the Guardians manage prospect players is crazy, too. Yeah. It really is. And while we're on the topic of managers, I know I this is kind of an impromptu question. Okay. Terry Francona, mm-hmm. very, very loved. He's a much-loved manager, I would say. And as of late, I've been seeing some rumblings on Twitter as to how long do we ride on the everybody loves Terry Francona train? At what point do we look at the way he's managing the Guardians and say, eh, it might not be the best. I mean, he's getting up there in age. We have a guy like Sandy Alomar, who is a, is a base coach, who could easily be a manager. What I, I don't even want to say this on our airwaves because I know I'm going to get backlash for it, but what kind of leash is Terry Francona on, especially with the way he's managing prospects? Honestly, uh, it, it, I wish I I wish I knew what happened in like practices and stuff. What happened behind the scenes with the players? Because not only do I want a young roster, but also give us a young younger manager, give us a younger coach that can actually sit there with the with the players and build a relationship through the years. Because I don't see Terry being around. You know, maybe five years at the very latest. I don't even see like three or two. 
So you think we need more relatability between yes, the management? And absolutely. The, there, there has to be more connection because if not, there's a disconnect where you're able to send new signees down to the minors and barely use them and only focus on your quote-unquote stars, your quote-unquote veterans. Yeah, and I don't want to wait too long to start to focus on that either because there's only so many down seasons that any fan base can take before I was an uproar starts. <laughs> you took the words to out of my mouth. You gotta you gotta hop on it before it's a major problem. Mm-hmm. And we all know sports fan bases, uh fan stands for fanatic mm-hmm. and they're going to start a riot if there's several losing seasons in a row Especially and in Cleveland. Especially mm-hmm. in Cleveland. So I can only take one which one failing sports team. As <laughs> much as much as I am not the biggest baseball fan in the world, I would argue that Cleveland, in a sense, is just as much a baseball town as they are oh, absolutely. A, a Brownstown. 100%. Absolutely. Because they, the Browns have the dog pound. They have this super large, dedicated fan base. And, but I also think there's another side of Cleveland who grew up on baseball. Mm-hmm. And those fans are not going to take this forever. They These are the type of fans that... I, I think it's died off a little bit now, but we're completely unaccepting of the name change. They are diehard Cleveland fans, and they love baseball. Mm-hmm. And Progressive Field already has some issues selling out. And if our our organization is so concerned about saving money, or you're going to want ticket revenue, you're going to mm-hmm. want all these things, just bring up the young guys. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. That's what the fans want the to see. The easiest way to save money is invest in the young guys. Mm-hmm. You're you're instantly saving money plus you're you're putting your your focus towards the young guys who are going to be filling those seats, who are going to be getting those wins. That is going to be upping your revenue tenfold. I, I absolutely. It, I mean it's crazy to think that a bunch of college kids are thinking this, but the Guardians management isn't. It, why that is? Might be age differential it might just be a perspective thing maybe maybe we just don't know what we're talking about but it's a big opinion that a lot of people share yeah mitch yeah i i'm on the same train as both the logans here (laughs) i think bringing up the youth and bringing a new it's time for a new phase i feel like there was a phase that is just now passing and bringing up the young guys possibly moving on from terry and just getting a whole new wave in there could be exactly what the Guardians need. And the revenue will rise when the hype rises and the hype comes with the young guys. Uh, another thing, the biggest thing is I don't even think we need a rebuild right now. We just need to make a couple moves. A couple. And we are fine. And Terry might not even necessarily be one of those moves. No. I'm just throwing that out there because I've seen rumblings mm-hmm. of that on Twitter. I, I honestly think, you know, taking one or two guys, moving them out of the starting position and moving some younger talent in there, or just wrapping some talent around our current players, we're still... I I don't want to say we're like World Series definite lock-in, but we could be some contenders if we make those moves now in the early season. Would you say, before we get into our last topic before our Player of the Week segment, would you say right now that the Guardians should look at what's going on and accept defeat, play the young guys, and maybe miss the playoffs and lose? Yes. Or do you continue to try and push? Because they're third in the AL Central right now. They're third. 
Do you continue to try and push and make the playoffs, or do you just essentially blow it up for now? I, I think it's it's a it's a twofold answer. You you have to put those young guys out, see how they perform, because if you don't, yeah, you're still third. You're still doing you're still doing the same thing you've been doing all season. But what happens if you put those young guys up and you do better? That's what I was gonna say. I don't think it's really necessarily conceding and putting in the young guys. I think that's a smarter move to actually win games at the it, point they're at. And it, this early, in, I mean, I would have liked this to happen, you know, a month ago, a few weeks ago, but doing it now is not the same as doing it in a few months, in a month, in even next week. It's different. Do it now. Experiment with these young guys. If the option's bad, okay, we go back to what we were doing. If the option's good, keep pushing. For sure. Moving into our next series after our game with the Twins today. The next series is at home against the Boston Red Sox. They are struggling heavily this season. What are your expectations for the series against Boston before we get into our Player of the Week segment? you got to put in the young guys, as I'm hoping. You can put in the young guys. I feel like I'm always saying it when I'm talking about the Guardians. Build the momentum by putting in the young guys. Take advantage of a team that is also struggling we need the offense to build consistency and not just have a great flash and then die out again. We're going to need further point differentials between the teams. I don't mm-hmm. want to see 4 to 3. We would prefer to see 4 to nothing. Yeah. Something like that. You know, we want to see more energy and I want to see confidence. I want to see confidence at the plate. Confidence in any situation of the game, Mm -hmm. and that way we can take advantage of a less good team. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. My biggest fear coming into this Red Sox series is the Red Sox are coming off of a series against the Rays, the if not the best, one of the best teams in baseball currently, and I feel like they're going to be riding that thought process of this is must win, we're facing the best, and then face Cleveland and maybe outperform us. That's my only fear. Otherwise, play those young guys, mix the rotation up, mess around with it, see what happens. You know, this is the this is the series to do it. Don't do it in a series against someone like the Rays. Don't do it in mm-hmm. uh, like some divisional series. Do it in these optional, not exactly must win. I mean, every game's a must win in my opinion. But experiment, try, rotate. Absolutely. I would absolutely agree. This is a series to test some things out, maybe see where we're at. But hey, before we head into our break, this is a segment that was installed by Jake Murray, and I do intend to keep it going. It is our MLB Player of the Week segment. This is where each analyst picks one player in the MLB from any team for doing anything, baseball-related or not, to be their Player of the Week here on Z88. I'll toss it to you first, Mitch. Mitch, who is your Player of the Week for this week? My Player of the Week and... You could argue player of the month is actually Aaron Judge. Oh, yeah. Mm, you took I'll go it. with my second pick. <laughs> I, have to. I feel like Aaron Judge is not talked about enough for the outstanding numbers like that he puts up. <laughs> I know, but you got to give him credit where yeah, it's due. He's honestly. an outstanding player, like actually one of the best players in the MLB as a whole. And I think it's pretty obvious that he's the best hitter and he's very consistent. He deserves his recognition, Aaron Judge. I know we don't appreciate Yankee talk up here, but I feel like that's the name that has to be brought up. Yeah, I my my main reason was if you guys watched the Yankees versus the Dodgers, Judge actually ran through a wall, <laughs> through a fence, just to make a catch. Mm-hmm. That is dedication. That is absolute just 
reliability, able to throw your body at anything just to make the play. Uh, Aaron Judge does need some recognition. But I guess my player of the week, I want to be a little different. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with a bit of a funny answer. Uh, My pick is Ronald Acuna Jr. Because somebody, I don't remember which one of his teammates, hit got on base, and Acuna was able to run into home, and he actually hit the gritty running into home. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Acuna Jr. just for hitting a gritty into home. Let's go. <laughs> Great pick, Logan. I'm going to go with Matt McLean from the Cincinnati Reds. Rookie standout for them. He's been playing excellent. And that is going to take us into our first break. Talked a lot about the MLB, talked a lot about the Guardians, but next up, we are going to be talking some football. Everybody loves football. You will not want to miss it. Stay tuned right here on Z88. Welcome back to the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. We just talked a ton of baseball. Now it's time for NFL football, everybody's favorite. Joining me once again, my analysts are Logan Buchanan and Mitch Bates. And we got a jam-packed rest of the show for you. But like I mentioned, starting off with the NFL and starting off with the Cleveland Browns. Of course, not necessarily the Cleveland Browns yet, but potentially the Cleveland Browns. DeAndre Hopkins, the DeAndre Hopkins free agency saga. For those of you who are not keeping up, DeAndre Hopkins was released by the Arizona Cardinals, major free agent for any team, and apparently the Cleveland Browns are on his list, maybe looking to reconnect with his old quarterback, Deshaun Watson, joining an already stacked Cleveland Browns roster. Although, as a Browns fan, that never seems to matter how stacked we are, but we'll see. I would love to have him, but I'm going to toss it to you first, Mitch. DeAndre Hopkins, what are you hearing? What are your thoughts? Let's talk Hopkins. My thoughts on Hopkins, it's a little different than a lot of people I've been hearing who have been thinking about Hopkins to the Browns. I know that Cleveland has put a lot of work into building up this receiving room that they currently have. They got DPJ, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin. They got the rookie, Cedric Tillman. I just don't see... Glad you left out Anthony Schwartz. Good. Good move. (laughs) I don't feel the need to bring up Anthony Schwartz, but... No. It's just, I don't... I don't see the desired need to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. He's 30, 31 years of age. He and that's not that has nothing to do with his play. But as far as a long term move, that's he's obviously not going to be a long term move. I think it depends on the contract that he's asking for. You don't give DeAndre Hopkins more than like eight million dollars per year. He- was rumored to be asking for an Odell Ravens type contract. There's Absolutely no not. and that chance. will not happen. No. And I think he deserves a deal like that, but in Cleveland, no. I just think that's not that should not be in our deck of cards right now. And it sounds like they've been pushing Elijah Moore a lot at camp and they want a very big role for him. So, by all means, that's a younger and already on the team and cheaper option. So, I, I 100% agree with you. The Browns are a real contender, especially with uh, his relationships to some of the other members of the Browns. But it's an answer for right now. It's not an answer for a long time. The answer for a long time is building up. I'm going to keep saying it. Build up young guys. Mm-hmm. There's too many, especially in Cleveland right now. But granted, the Cavs, because they have young guys who are building up. Right. But young guys just seem to be forgotten about just to sit on the bench, sit on the sidelines, not really do anything. So you didn't mention these two. Build up some young receivers like Baldwin and Darden. Just get those guys up. And 
I don't think we really need Hopkins right now. We just had a big signee. We have a decent rotation. It just needs we need to actually play together. I think we need to play. Do I want DeAndre Hopkins? Yes, of course. His connection with Deshaun Watson is fantastic. We saw it in Houston, and he's he's a Pro Bowl, former Pro Bowl wide receiver. Do I think that you are correct on the contract issue? Yes, absolutely. I think, like you mentioned, the Browns are in a great position, or at least on paper, per usual with the Browns. <laughs> on paper, the Browns are in a good situation. But I don't think Deshaun Watson, he's at a point in his career, I don't think he's worth all that money or giving all that. If he comes to Cleveland, I see him... I see him being wide receiver, too. I really do. Behind Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is, and we forget, Amari Cooper. I I forgot about Amari (laughs) Cooper. No, then he's not wide receiver, too. I think it's (laughs) Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, then him, then DeAndre Hopkins, which is crazy to say. But I I think the Browns should really consider the situation. He could be great for the locker room. He's a great pairing with Deshaun Watson, but at the right price. Mm -hmm. I'm not... I'm not willing to really move anything around to make waves for this guy. Do you think because of his relations, he might settle for a lower contract? Or do you think that's just, that is an I think that is entirely contingent on the words of Deshaun Watson. Okay. Agreed. If Deshaun Watson, I've heard Deshaun Watson has been pushing him heavily to come. Of course he has. I I think that makes a ton of sense. But I, I think... For the right price, he'd be an okay guy. But for the price he's asking, I don't think he's worth it's it. It's just what does that do to, like, DPJ, too, mm-hmm. or Cedric Tillman? Guys that – Cedric Tillman could be a number two in the future. Like, for sure. Like, three, four years down the line. I, think, I thought the Browns had a great draft. Like, that was a steal. Mm-hmm. Of course. And they had, like, no picks. So, and to get the guys they did with those picks, it was outstanding. And if you're paying the uh, Hopkins this much, what happens to these other guys who are like, well, we're producing more than him. Where's our contract? And they start asking for more money. Yes. Yeah. Leave Cleveland. Yeah. I just don't want Hopkins to come here and have it be an Odell situation where he's just not he's just not performing mm-hmm. here. Or he gets disgruntled and it messes everything up. He gets disgruntled that he's not wide receiver one. When he's just not that caliber right mm-hmm. now. He's not wide receiver one. Wide receiver one for the Browns is either Elijah Moore or Amari Cooper. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And if we're looking at the Browns, too, the past few years, the Browns are a running, or they should be a running should, offense. should be a running should offense. Be. You have <laughs> one of the top three running backs, debatably the number one in the league. And no, we don't use him enough, but... They should. Mm-hmm. So what happens if Kevin Stefanski wakes up and says, oh, yeah, Nick Chubb's on my roster and starts running him? <laughs> I hope that day comes, oh, really. Because it seems like comes. in the fourth quarter, Nick Chubb just goes, poof, disappeared, gone. Because they don't give him the ball. It's He's outrageous. Just he just, it's like he just goes like for a, whole, a bathroom break for the whole third, maybe even the whole fourth quarter. And then Kevin Stefanski the just goes, oh. Yeah, that's right. I have 24 on my team. <laughs> do we like, run the ball to Nick Chubb or do we throw a double-covered fade to Donovan Peoples-Jones? Double-covered fade. That's, fade yeah. Why not? That's Cleveland Browns football, baby. Oh, man. And then uh, how about this? If we bring in Hopkins, what happens to Donovan Peoples-Jones and what happens to Anthony Schwartz? Mm-hmm. I would love to see Anthony Schwartz get cut, but let's talk more about <laughs> Donovan Peoples-Jones. Who is, he's, his production is good, but I think if we bring in a guy like Hopkins, then he, that's done. kind of the writing on the wall for him. He's done. I think he he's going to request a trade, or when his contract up, he's going to walk immediately. Yeah, there's just too many. I, I feel like there's just too many liabilities, and unless the stars align, there's no reason to be bringing in Hopkins. I think the room is perfect right now. Yeah, 
I just wouldn't mess with it too much. Mm -hmm. I think that they're in a good position for once. That's the biggest thing I think with the Browns is they always have to they have to pick at it. They can't just let something be. So there's no chemistry building. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. Like you want to keep. Oh, let's sign this guy and Mm -hmm. let's draft this. Trade that guy. All this rent. Like there's no chemistry being built at all. And we know some of the teams that are successful now drafted all those players Mm -hmm. and built them into what they are. No one was talking about Patrick Mahomes being an MVP. Super Bowl great Hall of Fame player when he got drafted. They drafted him. They drafted Travis Kelsey. They, they're they drafting and making smart moves, not just mm-hmm. big money moves. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's done. 100% agree with you. And I think Andrew Barry is one of the best GMs in the league. Oh, so yeah. whatever decision he makes, I'm going to trust it. I really will. Whether that's bringing him in or not, I'll trust it and just hope that it works out. And then it, at that point, it falls on Kevin Stefanski. Before mm-hmm. we switch topics... Another impromptu question. Say the Browns have this perfect roster, Hopkins or not, what's your least for Stefanski this season? How many games do you give him if the Browns are underperforming? Because now we have a guy like Jim Schwartz, who I think personally was not only hired to be the defensive coordinator, was hired as a safety, if, as if Kevin Stefanski flops on his face again. I think he's out if he has another bad season. Bad I think- season or bad? I think I give him... Four to five games. I was thinking. I was thinking five or six. I would think four to five games, but it's just I. I'm an. I'm a big advocate for give the coaches a chance. At least give them a full year. I feel like the recency I, bias is so bad in sports these days. I think it also depends on what games we're looking at. Exactly. Obviously, the first couple of games of this season, those matter a lot. But if we're looking at games down the line, maybe against the 49ers, are we really looking at those games to make the decisions? Because who's gonna? Because who's going to, like, prove themselves against Chiefs 49ers, mm-hmm. like, back-to-back? It does have to do with the competition. And I feel like you got to give them a full season. Ooh. I That's that's my personal opinion. If it doesn't work, then you can move on. But I feel like we're throwing ourselves in an even bigger hole, and we're rebuilding again mm. if you bring in a new coach. That's true. As, and, and you did say they do have Schwartz, who they could toss in there as a little fail-safe. But I just I don't know. The Browns coaching issues... It's something that just gets me angry. Gets him riled up, ladies and gentlemen. Mitch Bates is riled up on air. His ears are grinding. You can see the steam coming out of his ears. I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Is that you emotional? I can see the red in his eyes through his sunglasses. Yeah, I did have them on. Took them off. He did bring them back. Yeah, I found them. That's breaking news. Good for you, Mitch. Yeah, I would give him a full year. I know you guys would give him a couple games. I understand it, but... It's not my take on it. Mm. Yeah, I, I would give him a couple games. That'd be most for me. But moving on, a little it's a sports-related topic, but more of a media-related topic. Mm-hmm. Undisputed no more. Shannon Sharp is leaving his show with Skip Bayless on FS1. What do you, I have an opinion on why I think this breakup, or at least I can pinpoint the exact argument where this broke up. But he is now moving on. So my first question for you is, what do you think caused this split? I... I don't really know. I haven't been paying attention to this show as much recently. It might just be difference of opinions. It might be egos. Maybe something getting in the way behind the scenes that we aren't seeing on screen. Not really sure. I don't I don't know what 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 was the the nail that broke the, the camel's back. The reason you haven't been paying attention to that show is the same reason that nobody pays attention to that show anymore. And probably from in my opinion, the reason that Shannon Sharp is leaving is nobody likes listening to Skip Bayless. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's reasonable. Did you hear the exact conversation that they had that probably led to Are we thinking of the same steal one? your thunder with the No, Tom no, Brady. steal it, because I think we're on the same page here. Yeah, I had the Tom Brady argument. Correct. <laughs> Outrageous. Like, to... That was a terrible take by... A guy that has never played a sport in his whole life. Talking to a Hall of Fame tight end. An NFL Hall of Fame tight end. Logan, do you know this discussion? I, I don't know this one so in, in particular. The premise of this discussion was they were talking about what was the... It was about Tom Brady, but I'll let yeah. you explain. You, It's tough to remember the exact Tom Brady discussion that they were having, but it yeah. led to him telling Shannon Sharp, oh, well, he's better than you, and... Two different, is- entirely different <laughs> positions, first of all. Yeah. Different and time periods. Shannon Sharp got very upset, and he said, so you would take a personal attack on me, your friend, to defend this guy, just another athlete. And he said yes, because he's better than you. And Oh, no, that, I would have ended it right there. It it was very obvious that, that Shannon was genuinely irritated at oh, that comment. Dude, if, someone, if I was a pro athlete. A Hall of with Famer. The, yeah, I was about to say, with the name like <laughs> Shannon Sharp. Uh-uh, I'm not taking that disrespect. No matter if if you're putting even the goat quarterback against me, no. And it's I'm a not quarterback too. Yeah, it's like Shannon Sharp is a tight end. Exactly. I mean, if if you if you were looking like say uh say Chuck was comparing Embiid to Shaq and said that <laughs> yeah same position, I understand maybe you have a little leeway there. Plus you have on air uh, animosity, but. That is just disrespectful to a whole new level. It's like sh- comparing Shaq to Michael Jordan. Is yeah, kind of yeah. Like, there's no, yes. there's like, nothing there. Connection? You, can't you can't. That a hundred percent. I I do not blame Sharp at all. I really want to see. I wonder if Skip Bayless is just no one wants to. He even just go to him they just don't have the chemistry anymore. Yeah. So before we move forward, mm-hmm. who if you could pick one person, one athlete? I have a perfect one, and Mitch is going to like it to replace Shannon. On Undisputed. Ooh, I know what you're be. going with. You know, I, I want to hear who you You want me to first. say it first? Yeah, I want to hear Richard it. Sherman. Yes, sir. Richard Sherman would be my replacement yes, for sir. Shannon Sharp. I don't, even want, I don't even want Skip Bayless to have a show anymore. After that. <laughs> like, just do a one-man. so disrespectful. <laughs> I think Richard Sherman is similar to Shannon Sharp in a sense that he will not back down from his opinions. Mm. Did you see the argument that Sherman and Skip Bayless had, like, way back when Seahawks were in the Super Bowl? You may not have seen it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember it. Back and forth. And- Honestly, that would revitalize that show for me. I would watch it. <laughs> so, where Richard Sherman's talking to Skip Bayless, oh, I'm better than you. <laughs> like, it's the same energy. It's, <laughs> it's matching energy. You think energies. you're better than Darrell Revis right now? I'm better than I'm you. Better than you. <laughs> exactly. It's so good. I love Richard oh, Sherman. I wish I had that audio right now. I would play it. That was... That was one of the funniest interactions in sports media I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I agree with your take that it should be Sherman. He's my favorite player of all time, right next to Adrian Peterson. And mm-hmm. I feel like the matching energies would make that show bearable to watch. For sure. Flipping over to the Shannon Sharp side of this, there is another very loud and animated analyst that is currently without a co-host. And he recently called out Shannon Sharp about a potential team-up. And it would be in the seat that Skip Bayless once held. Do you see Shannon Sharp moving to ESPN and joining Stephen A. on first take? I see it. I wouldn't. I'm not a huge Stephen A. Smith fan. Not huge. He's just loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. I I guess. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know exactly what you what you mean when you said that. Uh, but I do think they would have a really cool dynamic between the two. 
Yeah, I agree with you right there. I I don't think it's something that I personally would be invested in and interested in seeing, but no. I know that uh, Stephen A. Smith arguments were ex- they they came up all the time as a kid when you go on YouTube and you mm-hmm. see Stephen A. Smith arguments argues with Max yeah. Kellerman. You argues with blank. You could fill <laughs> yeah, anyone, anyone in there. Shannon I, Sharp would be perfect for it. I don't know if I agree. I don't think I want Shannon Sharp on first take because well, Stephen A is a guy that is loud, and so is Shannon. And one thing I dislike about first take now is there's nobody that will challenge Stephen A. As much as I, he gets so much hate. Max Kellerman was great on that show. Max Kellerman was able to combat Stephen A's opinions. He had real factual information, which I think is why they let him go. Because Stephen <laughs> A has nothing factual to say. It's all... Max Kellerman Whoa. had facts. Whoa. Look who's heated now. Whoa. Max Kellerman had facts and information. Max, Let me put it this way. Max Kellerman was Jake Murren, and Stephen A. Smith was me. When me and Jake first started our on-air rivalry. And it works. It works. Mm-hmm. Props to you, Jake. I don't like you. I, it, I I agree that I don't think the best option is ESPN. I think the best option is to give Shannon either his own show, whether that's streamed, broadcast into mm-hmm. an actual place, or just move him over to NFL coverage. Let him give his expert opinion as this Hall of Fame veteran in a sport that, like, I mean, you don't have these types of guys actually giving these coverage. Right. You mean like an NFL network type? Yeah. Yeah, because I saw they added, I believe, Jason McCourty, who's a former cornerback in the mm-hmm. NFL for people who don't know. But that seemed to work out very well, and he's been on the panel for a couple months now. And adding former players gives the experience. It gives Credibility. Exactly. Credibility. That's the word. And I would like to see that, too. I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I, I agree. I we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think there's a lot of moving parts with this, and we'll see how it plays out. Next up, though, as we mentioned, Tom Brady as the downfall for Skip and Shanny. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. He purchased a part of the Raiders, which NFL rules state: if you are a even a part owner of a franchise, you cannot play for that team. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed. Mm-hmm. As long as you have a piece of ownership, you're not allowed to play. If Jimmy G fails this physical, supposedly he already failed one. If he fails another one, the Raiders can get out of his contract with no consequence. Mm -hmm. Josh McDaniels is the head coach. Josh McDaniels is notoriously Tom Brady's coach. Do you think Tom Brady would back out of this agreement and become the quarterback of the Raiders and shock everybody? You think this might even have been his plan all along? I hope not. First off, if it is his plan all along, maniacal genius, first Mm -hmm. and foremost. But if this is a panic sign and panic move i hate those in any sport but especially football you can with how short your season is you cannot be making panic moves at any point no matter at what point during the season preseason midseason postseason you cannot be making panic moves you need to be calm you need to be focused and if uh if jimmy g fails you don't need tom brady you have a guy like Chase Garbers in that position and see what he can do. Another young QB. Why is it that we keep focusing on veterans? We don't need Tom Brady. We have a young guy who we can build around. Why is Chase Garbers not in these conversations? Why are we all like the instant perspective on this argument is, oh, we have to go to our turn, Tom's Brady if Jimmy G fails. We have to do this. We have to do this. No, you have someone. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. Tom Mitch, Brady. I know you got a take on this. 
Tom Brady is not the move. And I just want to emphasize the hole that the Raiders themselves have put them in. Because do you know who's the actual backup for Tom Brady right now, right behind him? Who? Brian Hoyer. <laughs> yeah, I know no that. No one's I know mentioning that. that. It's Brian Hoyer. They are literally Patriots 2. Right like, what is going on? <laughs> they really are Patriots 2. They have Tom Brady in ownership, Josh McDaniels is your head coach, Jimmy G is your quarterback, and Brian Hoyer is your backup. And they have Chandler Jones who played for the Patriots. They, it, it's a Patriots. Josh McDaniels team. really said, let's take every washed up Patriots player and bring them here. <laughs> Just bring him. No sense. Where's Gronk? They, <laughs> they signed Gronk, I'm done. But I think that there's several other options for veterans if you have to go that route and you get rid of Jimmy G. I like Teddy Bridgewater personally. Ooh. Still a free agent. He, I really liked him when he was in Minnesota. Then he uh, was injured and got pushed out of the picture there. He's made a couple stops since then. But I think Teddy Bridgewater could be a decent hole filler. And then okay. you're going to need a young guy. You're going to need a high draft pick, maybe. I, it's just they've put themselves in this hole. The Raiders have terrible management. And it's sad to see. But yeah. Because I, I thought the Raiders were going to be pretty good like three years ago. I was like, well, they – and when they signed Marshawn Lynch and they had like Derek Carr, Marshawn Lynch, and Martin yeah. Cooper back then. And I don't know. They've dug themselves this hole. So if you end up with Brian Hoyer as your starter, that's on you. <laughs> Absolutely, indeed. It would be on them. But you know what's on you guys, the listeners? Hot mic. And guess what? It's time for our hot mic segment. This segment, if you are a first-time listener, is – you can tweet at us, get your questions in, and we will answer them live on the air. So I'm going to start off with our first question, which comes in from WZIP sports analyst Casey Rush. He says, as I mentioned during my DJ shift, Fridays noon to 2 on WZIP, YouTuber Tom Grossi is doing his 30 and 30 NFL stadium tour slash fundraiser for St. Jude with meet and greets. If you wanted to start a similar tour, which city would you visit first? And it cannot be Cleveland. I'm guessing... With this question, it's like I am in his position. What I can, yes, I think I'm gonna go. Let's throw a name out there. I'm gonna go to Broncos Stadium. Why not? That's a good one, Mile High Stadium. Yeah, that's interesting. I would think maybe MetLife. Oh, it's another good one. It's a good one. I like the sound of New York. <laughs> I would go. I would go to TIAA Bank Stadium in Jacksonville. With the Ooh, pool and yeah, the big Jaguar. True. I just think yeah. it's a cool-looking stadium. The pool is cool. It's probably disgusting, but yeah. it's a cool pool. Well, it's definitely disgusting. <laughs> I would probably go with the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium to start. Next up, we have two questions coming in from Zach Stratton. The first one is, you're the GM of the Guardians, and you can make three trades or promotions right now. Mm. What do you want to do to right this ship? I don't necessarily have three, but I think we can all agree on one or two. So I'll start with you guys. Yeah, uh, instantly, I'm making Allen and Bibby starters for the rest of the season. No more reliefs. If if they're not playing game, they don't play an entire game, but they're your starters now. And also, let's move some of these guys who aren't producing on offense down and bring up some guys who are getting on base in the minors. Yeah, I'm trading Shane Bieber. I think mm-hmm. it's the right thing to do. And I am getting Rosario away from the yes. baseball field yes. as fast as possible. Yes, I would agree. Ahmed Rosario off the field would be one of my moves. And I would say bring up Bo Naylor and Mm. keep him up. Please stop with this bringing him up, bringing him down stuff. 
Next question from Zach Stratton says, aside from the stars of each team, Jimmy, Bam, Jokic, Murray, who will be the players from the Heat and Nuggets that need to step up? I'm honestly going to pass this question because we will talk in depth about this in our NBA final segment. So, Zach, continue listening as I don't want to spoil the surprise here <laughs> as it's coming later. Next question comes in from Jake Murren's number one fan, Jake Murren, a GOAT. He says, is there a different vibe to the station now that the GOAT is gone? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> I am. Wow. You know, man, I've, I've said it for a very long time. Jake Murren did a lot for this station. I really appreciate Jake Murren, but it is... Finally, the end of the Jake Murren era. And I couldn't be more thrilled. Just kidding, Jake. Love you, brother. <laughs> Next up, another question from Jake Murren. Thoughts on Ray J. Dennis going to Baylor? If you guys don't know who Ray J. Dennis is, he was the best player for the Toledo basketball team last season. And he, it's a big loss for Toledo. And in a sense, this helps the Akron Zips mm-hmm. a lot. A lot. I, I think this is huge. Uh, they're definitely going to go down a couple uh, rankings even before the season starts just because of this big loss. I want to see, I'm going to be interested to see who Toledo possibly brings in or signs over the summer and the fall to see maybe if they can build that team up a little bit, but I don't know if they even have that opportunity this year. Yeah, I think that's a major loss for Toledo, but that's a great move for him. I'm happy for him because he's a really for good sure. player. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to dislike about that kid as far as I know, and Baylor, that's a big-time program, and I'm, I'm just happy for him. Hope he balls out. Absolutely. Uh, next question comes in from – I'm going to skip over your next one, Jake Murren, go just because we did talk a lot about the Guardians earlier. Our next question comes in from Jake Murren. Expectations out of Tristan McKenzie today. We kind of touched mm-hmm. on it. Big addition for the Guardians. Agree? Yep. Yeah. And then Jake Murren's next question is, convince me using reasons other than heat culture, which, yes, I admitted was real, why the Nuggets won't win at least five games. I'm going to also deflect this to our final segment. Jake, keep listening. You won't want to miss it. Uh, next question comes in from Tyler Cavalex. He says, how can the Heat neutralize Jokic and Murray in the finals? Again, I'm going to deflect <laughs> this question to our final segment. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Our next question comes in from Alex Berry, and he asks, this is actually a good one. Because I don't think we have ever received a hot mic question about hockey. Wow. And he asked, what needs to change for the Florida Panthers going into game two? For, I'll take this one. For Florida to beat Las Vegas, they need to keep a level head. They fight the fight early to set the tone, the game, and allowed Vegas to take the momentum. Even though Florida struck first, you can't let it get the emotions to get the better of you. And you have to apply pressure all night. Overall, the Panthers just need to focus on keeping emotions in check and keep applying pressure to Vegas and take the next game before you travel to your turf. And I also took some advice from Dan Groen on this one, as I'm not the biggest hockey guy. He said they need to stay disciplined and out of the penalty. They need to check themselves, too. Both those responses come from Dan Groen and Pat Weber, our hockey analyst. I did phone a friend on this one. (laughs) Guys, that is going to do it for our Hot Mike segment and our NFL segment. You will not want to miss what's next, which is the NBA. It's going to be a really good one. Stay with us right here on Z88. Welcome back to the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me is Mitch Bates and Logan Buchanan. Hey, guys. It's been a good talk so far, but we're getting into the best part of the show, my favorite part of the show, and that is NBA talk. And everybody loves NBA talk, especially during NBA finals time. We will get to the finals later on, but we're going to start off with a few NBA headlines. 
And this one's not so much a headline, maybe only so a headline here at the University of Akron, and that is... Enrique Freeman has withdrawn his name from the NBA draft and is returning to the University of Akron for another run at the MAC title. Guys, how are we feeling? You know, Enrique, of course, I want him to make it to the league, and he will make it to the league. But selfishly, as a Zips fan, I'm not that mad that he's coming back. What about you guys? I am not as big as all other people are on Enrique Freeman. And don't get me wrong. I love him, and I think he's great for the team. I would just like to see, and I do wonder if this is what some NBA teams told him when they were doing when he was doing workouts for them. Some more physicality on defense, mm. and th- we can't allow as many inside points, especially to guys like Chris Payton, as we did. In hey, the Kent's last not doing anything next year. Let's just be real here, guys. I hope they're not doing. No, there's no hope. Kent's not doing anything. Their star player is Chris Payton. I am so excited. For Enrique to be back, not only because he got to work out with teams like the Celtics, the Cavs, and the Magic. Two out of three of those teams are, like, some of the best in the league. Sorry, Magic. Love you, but you're really not. Um, you love the Magic? No, no, no. No, I don't. I really don't. I only liked it when Dwight Howard was on the Magic. Uh, but also, we have to think about, now we get to see Enrique. And and who, who, who is Ali, on Ali. team? Ali, Ali, Exactly. Got Greg Tribby, Sammy Hunter. This team is going to be elite. Bunch of transfers, too. Elite. We're going to be looking good, guys. I'm excited. And you know who's not going to be looking good? The Electric Chickens. And I'm thrilled about that. Because <laughs> there ain't no way that that team down the road is coming close to the Akron Zips. Home, away, or at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. We'll see you in the MAC tournament. And then oh, we'll yeah. see you in the NCAA tournament oh, yeah. when the Akron <laughs> Zips smoke the Kent State electric chicken. Hey, I yeah, wouldn't baby. get too excited. Kent State got a guard from UCF that averaged two points. <laughs> hey, I'm real big scared. Money moves, big money moves. <laughs> I'm real scared. I'm real scared of that, Mitch. <laughs> Gosh. Not a fan of them. Definitely not a fan of their mascot either. Because what is a flash? <laughs> and Kent is not a state. Doesn't and they sense. are the electric chickens forever and always coined by Mr. Dan Groen. But we'll move on from talking some Kent State smack. I wasn't really expecting that out of that discussion. But nonetheless, congrats to Enrique Freeman. Hopefully next year we will see him on an NBA roster, but I'm not mad that he's here this year. Moving into some NBA headlines, though. The John Morant saga. As many of you know, John Morant has had some troubling issues, to say the least, as of recently. And I, I mean, we can't really touch on what's going on on air, but we can touch on the punishment NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says the NBA has already decided on a punishment for John Morant, but will not announce until the conclusion of the NBA Finals out of respect for the Heat and the Nuggets. First of all, before we even talk about what we think this punishment is, why are they waiting? I mean, why say that? That that's, that takes more attention off of the Finals, in my opinion. It's got to be big. It really does. I, I think that if it was just a suspension or... Uh, a fine or a slap on the wrist, as some people say, they would have said it already. I mean, they would. They have already said it gave already. him a slap on the wrist, and he messed up again. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. If they were going to do another one, they would have already said it. So this has to be a big, big punishment for them to be waiting. So how big do you think it is then? If it's, I, I think season minimum. Yeah, I think Jaw's done. I I don't think he's coming back because. If he gets, even if it's just a season ban, what team is going to look after that year and go, you know what? 
I want John Morant. <laughs> I don't think any, unless they're that desperate. I think there's definitely teams that would take John Morant. I don't know. I agree. I don't know. I think he's. it's too big of a liability for teams to be bringing him in. I think teams have nothing to lose. Like, for example, Orlando. Yeah. I don't think Orlando has anything to lose bringing in John Morant. I think Paolo Bicaro is their future, though. They don't, need, they don't need that trouble, and they don't need I him don't as a player. Any, any team needs that trouble. I don't really think he's going to be changing anytime soon. He's, he's going to be the first ever player to make it out of the NBA. Yeah. So you think he's going to receive the OJ Mayo and get, think and get so. banned from the league? I think so. Wow. That would be crazy. Do. I don't know if I would go that far. But I do think this is going to be – if the fact that they are waiting because That's they think, think it's going to take attention off of one of the biggest spectacles in sports uh-huh. in the NBA Finals tells me that this is not something minor. That's why I think it's that big. It. Oh, do you guys think that's deserved? Or do you, In my opinion, I, I really like the NBA for their development opportunities. And – as somebody who has a mom for a guidance counselor, or mm-hmm. a guidance counselor for a mom, mm-hmm. I think that the NBA shouldn't just push him away. There's clearly some things going on with John Morant that the world is not seeing. Mm-hmm. Help him. Get him. Sure, yeah, suspend him. Maybe take him out of the league for a year. But don't just say, all right, bye. Help him. Get him the mental health resources that he needs. But I wonder if they've been doing that behind the scenes. You don't think that the world would have known about that? I, I think they would come out I mean, I know, he went, to re- I I know, know. he went to rehab. But, and it, it did help, supposedly, but did he do that on his own or did the league, like, force that? I think the league mm-hmm. should offer more resources to him to help. I don't think you pushing a guy like a young, he's still a kid. Yeah. Pushing a kid with all this money, too. He's got the Powerade contract. He's got the, mm-hmm. he's got his NBA contract. All these endorsements. But I think pushing him away is the worst thing that they can do. Not only pushing him away from basketball, yes. Pushing him out of the league and away from the league's resources, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying that I want Jaw out of the league. I like John Morant. I do. I was saying I was one of his biggest supporters when the big debate between him and Zion was going on. But if the if the NBA is treating this like how they've treated stuff in the past, I could see a big, big move happening. Yeah, I I hope it doesn't because I think an example needs to be set, but not to the extreme to the most extreme degree i think a season suspension should be the minimum of what happens yeah i agree i think that it's the best move for john morant because he is nonetheless he's a talented young player and has a future in this league if he can clean up his act and figure out what's going on and realize all the opportunities that are in front of him i really do Plus, he's, he's entertaining to watch. He's he's a funny dude when he talks. Like It's a parade inside my city. Yeah. He's a superstar. Yeah, think about it. He's People think forget about how really good he is because of all the off-the-court things. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, besides him, he's what carried the Grizzlies to what they are today. And without him and what's happened this past season, poor Grizzlies. They're like, in trouble, they I think. They're going down. Yeah, they are definitely going down. I don't think I don't see them being in a similar position that they were this year. Oh no, not at all. But we'll see what happens with the John Morant saga. Hopefully, everything plays out okay for him. Wishing the best to John Morant as he takes this time to really figure out what's going on in his life. 
But let's stick with some other NBA headlines. Moving over to the NBA coaching carousel, which this year I think has been crazy. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to turn this into a game. We're going to give each coach a rating, an A, B, C, D, F rating. And then our thoughts on that hiring. So starting off with Monty Williams, who was just hired to the Detroit Pistons on a six-year, $78.5 million deal, which is the largest for a coach ever. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'll start with you. I'm going to give this an A-. minus. Okay. Because I really like Monty Williams, and I think he's what Detroit needs to – I mean, Detroit's been rebuilding for how many years now? A long time. A since Chauncey built up left town. A long time. So bringing in a guy like Monty Williams is huge. The only reason I minused it is because of this deal – I think it's a bit much, but for a guy like him, and if he can perform, that's an A minus for me. That's what you need, and I had the exact same rating as you. I had an A minus. I think a coach like this is exactly what you need. It is a lot of money, but I think the return on it is going to be great. They have some young pieces. They have Jaden Ivey. They have Cade Cunningham. I would. They have Jalen Duran also. I would like to see them possibly add a superstar not just a young develop it's kind of like i'm not comparing it exactly to the Cavs, but when the Cavs had like garland and sexton and all these young guys they added donovan mitchell who was the superstar and it elevated them to making the playoffs for the first time without lebron mm-hmm. and i feel like that's exactly what detroit needs if you can add a superstar not a selfish superstar i'm not saying james harden i don't think that'll fix the issue that you have but if you can add just the right piece i think they start winning a lot more games and at least put their name in contention and monty williams helps do doing that 100 percent. i think the pairing of monty williams and cade cunningham is fantastic i'm excited i'm really monty williams is going to make maybe not this first year but monty williams is going to make the pistons into a contender i i said i didn't think that the Suns should have moved on from him Mm -hmm. i thought that was extremely dumb Mm -hmm. so i think monty williams gets an a minus for me as well the contract is a little scary but if he can make the pistons into a contender, it's worth it. The and only Cade Cunningham is the perfect player for Monty Williams to be coaching. The only other scary thing about Detroit is their lottery this year. They kind of got snuffed, and so they don't get some of the biggest picks. Because you, could you have imagined Monty Williams with Cade Cunningham and Weminyama? That would have been crazy. <laughs> that would have been disgusting. That would have been great. I <laughs> Monty Williams gets an A- for me. I, I think he was the best coach available on the mm-hmm. market out of them all. Next up, Monty Williams' replacement in Phoenix, which is Frank Vogel. Eh, that's a C I'll for start me. with you guys on this one. That's a C for me. I mean, what he did for the Lakers? Nothing. Nothing. He was Le- I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and no coach the, under LeBron thing. does here's anything. The, here's the thing. Now he's moving over to the Suns where he has KD. It's like the CP. same thing. It's the same thing. We're going to see the same outcomes. A quote-unquote super team that doesn't actually perform. They have a coach that will would, not stand up and I would consider. Charge. I would consider the Suns to be a bit more of a super team than the Lakers were. Hmm. You can, but it's a KD super team. How many of those actually work out? One? Hmm. Hmm. 
I mean, now, I wouldn't even have considered that to be KD's super team. I think that was Curry's super yeah. team. He joined the super team. Yeah, I think it depends on what you mean by workout because it's it's always been a very successful team that he's been on. Like when he was in OKC, successful. And making the finals, they'll, they'll make the finals, but will they actually perform to the caliber that they need to? Right. No, they and will Frank, not. Frank Vogel does not push that envelope and any more than Monty. Another did. thing that Frank Vogel doesn't do is he doesn't establish a bench. And what have we been saying? The Suns need. A bench, a good, reliable bench. It's not happening. Very true. I don't think Frank Bogle is the right hire here at all. I give this a D. I give it a C minus. D for me because he he led the Pacers. They got smoked by LeBron every year. He led the Lakers. Yeah, they won a championship, but not because of him. Actually mm-hmm. had nothing to do with mm-hmm. him. And then... Here we are, like you said, another team that has multiple star players, and I just don't see this situation being any different. Frank Vogel will not make a difference for the Phoenix Suns. D. Next up, this one is a little bit further in the past, but I did include it. Ime Udoka Udoka to Houston. Mm -hmm. I have a strong take on this one. You guys? Uh, So, like you said, this is an an older uh, pick, but with some recent moves that he's been making, it actually lowered my rating for him. Lowered? Yeah. I'm not a fan of him bringing in the Celtics assistants. Really? I am not a fan of it because even though those same assistants and him took the Celtics to the finals. That I I get that. In his first season. I just don't I don't know how it's gonna work with this Houston team. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. It was like a wishy washy mm-hmm. feeling that I had because I know he's like a really good coach and they go from the Eastern Conference Finals this year and the finals before that. It's I know he's a great coach, and the problems that they had this year didn't really have to do with coaching. A coach can't make Jason Tatum score more than, like, four points in a fourth quarter, mm-hmm. like uh, ten games out of however many they play. For sure. And a coach can't fix Jalen Brown's ability to dribble the basketball better than a fifth grader. Like, more turnovers than Tatum, Horford, and Marcus Smart combined in the Eastern Conference Finals. I know that's not coaching issues. So I do I do like this hiring for the Rockets. And the Rockets got some young pieces that people don't talk about. KPJ. Like Jalen Green, too. I, I think it's a good hiring overall. I would give it a B, just a solid B. Okay. I'm going to give it an A. Because I differentiate from your opinion, Logan, I would I think him bringing his assistance from Boston is great gotcha. for the for the Rockets. I think that they have such a good young core, which is what Boston thrived on in the mm-hmm. finals in that first season with Ime. And I think Ime Odoka is one of the most strong-minded coaches in the league. He learned under Greg Popovich with the Spurs. He is a fantastic coach, and I think the Rockets have the pieces. I think the Rockets are similar in a sense to, like, we talk about young rosters. I think they have one of the best young rosters in the league. Mm-hmm. Just what I said about Monty Williams, I think Ime Adoka can do the same thing with the Rockets. Maybe not his first season, but they yeah. have the talent on that roster to be great, and now they have the coaching staff to do it as well. So I'm going to give it an A. Interesting. Next coach on my list is Adrian Griffin to Milwaukee. For those of you who don't know Adrian Griffin, this is a little lesser-known name. He was the lead assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors under Nick mm-hmm. Nurse, and now he's headed to Milwaukee. It was reported that Giannis Antetokounmpo heavily, heavily inf- was emphatic about Adrian Griffin being the next head coach of the Bucks. What are your guys' thoughts on this, hire? That's the reason I have had a name minus, because 
I've seen when the Bucks are behind Giannis and his opinions, they perform well. They are that team. They're that championship team. So if Giannis wants Adrian Griffin, that makes me believe that Milwaukee wants Griffin. And if Milwaukee wants Griffin, they're going to be behind them. They're going to listen to what he has to say. A, a guy who's been on the court, who understands them as players and has been in that position as an assistant coach winning with the Toronto Raptors in 2019. I am very excited for this matchup, and I just hope that the Milwaukee Bucks as a team are behind Griffith, Griffin as much as uh, Giannis is. Yeah. That's an A-minus for me. I don't even think they needed a coaching change as it was because I feel like the problems that the Bucks face this year kind of revolved around the Giannis injury, mm-hmm. which is nothing that can be controlled by coaching. And obviously there's some... There are some holes in this roster that I would like to see get filled, and I would like to see better play out of certain players that have large contracts like Chris Middleton. And I I did like how Brooke Lopez played, so I can't really say Brooke Lopez, but any team that has Grayson Allen, too, I I don't like that guy. (laughs) I I think the Adrian Griffin hire is good as well. I'll give it a B just because I don't know all that much about Adrian Griffin personally. But I do know if Giannis Antetokounmpo is lobbying for you to be the next head coach of your franchise, probably a good. That's probably a good recommendation. It's the ultimate stamp it is the ultimate stamp. And the Bucks were in need of a change. There's even though the Heat beat them, the Bucks are still a super strong team with the pieces to be great. They won a championship just back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Now I think they have a guy leading them that makes that difference and sparks. He's younger too. That makes a difference. Mm-hmm. He's younger which sparks that difference. Like we talked about with the Guardians and the managerial situation, I think same thing applies here. Younger works better because it's relatable. And for me, that's that's the key here with the Adrian Griffin hire. I'll give that one an A. The guy that Adrian Griffin worked under was Nick Nurse, former head coach of the Toronto Raptors. He is now headed to the Philadelphia 76ers. Similar situation here. Joel Embiid lobbied for Nick Nurse to be the next head coach of the 76ers. What are your thoughts on this hire? See, with this one, it's a complete flip for me. I don't see Nick Nurse working well with this Philly team. Uh, after the 2019 season, the Raptors have not been that team, in my opinion. Whether that's under Nick Nurse or just their players, that's to be seen. But, I mean, Philly's just such a weird team for me, and I don't think their coaching change is going to make a huge difference. So for this, I have Nick Nurse sitting at a C plus. Yeah, and I don't know how much of a real leader Nick Nurse is to get behind because I know he was with Toronto when they had that huge year Mm -hmm. and but how much of that was Kawhi Leonard because we saw the fall off when he left the team the very next year and then everyone's talking about oh Nick Nurse is mediocre he it was all Kawhi Leonard's team and now Mm -hmm. he's going to Philly I think Philly has a very good roster I think Philly, actually, many people don't think that Philly should bring back James Harden, but I think they should. I think they should. I think that is a move that would be smart to make if you're trying to build consistency with this team. We're done trusting the process. We want <laughs> results. And Nick Nurse, I don't, uh, it's just, I don't really, Yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'll give it a C plus. Yep. C plus for me as oh, well. C plus around. For, for all good. the same reasons, I think that this hire is mediocre at best. It's not. It's just not really a huge upgrade over mm-hmm. Doc Rivers for me. And Doc Rivers, I know, I think Doc Rivers lost his job because of relation to the players and his issues with James Harden. Mm-hmm. But 
I just what what does Nick Nurse bring to the table that Doc Rivers didn't? That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Nothing. Nothing. And I thought when Nick when Nick Nurse took over for Dwayne Casey in Toronto, I thought the same thing. I was like, what? You just fired a coach of the year mm-hmm. for the guy that again. What does he bring to the mm-hmm. table that Dwayne Casey didn't? Here we are again. What does Nick Nurse bring to the table that Doc Rivers doesn't? Nothing. C plus for me. Not a bad hire, but just eh. Yeah. Kind of a meh hire. Meh. And the last hire, or not even hire, last coaching situation on my list is the Celtics are saying that Joe Missoula is going to stay put despite rumors that he could be let go early on in the series. Big, fat, F. Big, fat, Ooh, F. Okay. Ooh, okay. Do not like Missoula, I do not think he is in a position he's not right for the position he's in He, I think he's too young he doesn't have a good enough grip of what a head coach should be I mean seeing some footage of him in locker rooms he is not that leading well, guy. This is a guy that was thrown into this position I with, get the Adoka, that, but, with the Adoka situation I think it should have been a temporary position and give him a few more years. I I just don't think he's ready for this head coach position, especially with this team. I actually agree pretty strongly wow. with you right there. Wow. I, that might be surprising, but I, I just don't think he's ready yet. And I think mm-hmm. development is as important for coaches as much as it is for players. 100%. And he's not developed yet. And the results have shown. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, surprisingly, I'm going to agree with you here. Feels good, Mitch, doesn't it? Does it feel good? <laughs> it's a great feeling to feel agreed with. <laughs> I'm going to give it a C. I don't think it hurts Boston, but I don't think it helps. Mm. I, At this point in time, looking around, what coaching candidates are left that are better than Joe Missoula? There's really not, in my opinion. The only other candidate on the board right now that I even see with an opportunity, there's two. Kenny Atkinson, assistant coach for the Warriors, mm-hmm. or or Doc Rivers. And guess what? They already had Doc Rivers. Yeah. I, so, don't, I don't think adding Doc would add anything. Well, they would never do that. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> and I don't... I don't know if adding Kenny would really be Kenny the smart Atkinson move. continues to get absolutely swept over for head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. He I feel like he gets interviewed every single year and never gets a job. He is the Eric Bieniemy of the <laughs> NBA. <Jeez. laughs> okay. Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> so yeah, I, I give the Joe Missoula retaining a C. That's respectable. So that's going to end our coaching carousel talk, but sticking with some NBA headlines, moving over to the Cavaliers star player, Donovan Mitchell. Recently, Donovan Mitchell has been making a lot of comments about the New York Knicks and how great it was to play in New York, and all we know is he is from New York. And most recently, he said how the environment at Madison Square Garden was jumping, and he loved it, and he was so thrilled. Should the Cavs, should Cavs fans, maybe the Cavs organization be worried I saw a take from one of our own, Matt Permuka, and I think it was genuinely one of the worst sports takes I've ever seen. Matt, if you are listening, yeah, I'm calling you out. This take, Matt said the Cavs should move on from him now. No. Huh? No. He said the Cavs should move on from him now and rip the Band-Aid off. I genuinely could not disagree more. Yeah. It's (laughs) not that big of a deal. It's not. It's It's just like he's from New York. It's just like, say... One of us were to go pro. Say Mitch were to go play pro football, and he grew up here in Cleveland. He's a Browns He's like, fan. Man, I love Cleveland. But he gets Dang drafted it. by the Cardinals. Mitch Mitch Bates gets drafted by the Cardinals, and he comes home and plays in Cleveland. He makes a comment says, "Man, it was so cool to play in a stadium that I grew up in. That environment's so cool." Does that mean that Mitch is anti Cardinals? No. no, no. 
Did Congrove, he's... you live in Kent. You live in Kent. Correct. You does that mean you hate Akron? <laughs> no, I, I hate Kent. I live like <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Just because you live somewhere doesn't mean it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. I mean, what happened when Donovan first came to Cleveland? He was decked out in our team's gear. He went to Guardians games. Uh, I think, yeah, it was the Guardians at the time. He went to Browns games. It's not that big of a deal. I think the same thing happened with, like, Zeke Elliott. Not the same thing, but when Zeke, we know he played for Ohio State, and he played in Cleveland. He got drafted by Dallas, played in Cleveland. He's like, oh, it was awesome to play in front of, you know, Ohio fans again, and they've Mm -hmm. been with me since high school, and... It's like I didn't see Cowboys fans. But like, oh, oh, Zeke wants to go with the Cleveland Browns. It's over for. It's really not that big of a deal. I mean, and we've seen this before. I, I believe it was when Kyrie was on uh, the Celtics team when he played in Cleveland. You know, he he walked out. He waved to them. That doesn't mean he hates them. Right. Yeah, I I'm not overly worried about that comment. I'm really not. He. He, he has stated many times that he loves playing here. Mm-hmm. He He's still in Cleveland right now. Mm-hmm. He could have been gone a month ago when the Cavs got eliminated. He is still in Cleveland working out in Cleveland. He could be working out anywhere he wants, and he's still here in Cleveland. Yeah, it no, means nothing. I am not worried about that comment at all. Before we head into our break, LeBron James indicated that he is going to stay with the Lakers next season. Do you think the re- retirement controversy was overblown or even warranted? Uh, I don't think it was that overblown. I think it was very reasonable for people to be thinking that he would retire, uh, if not indefinitely, for at least a year. I don't. I don't think it was overblown at all. I think it was just unnecessary. Like I don't. I don't think LeBron James retired. Like I feel like it's just kind of something that happened right when they got eliminated, and people mm-hmm. just start talking about and creating their own narratives. Because I never heard LeBron himself mm-hmm. say anything about retiring. All I heard from LeBron was, "I'm going to play until." My son gets in the NBA, and now they're talking about, oh, well, he just got swept, so LeBron's going to retire. I don't know where it even came from to be a narrative that's pushed. Yeah, I agree. He's going to play with the Lakers next season, and then we will see where that leads. I think it still leads to playing with his son, whether that be some random city like Oklahoma or Maybe they come back to Cleveland. I don't know. That would be so cool. No, it would not be cool. I'm totally (laughs) against that. But, hey, that is going to take us into our next and final break before we close out our show with NBA Finals Talk. You are not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned right here on Z88. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk for our final segment of today's show, NBA Finals Talk. And I am joined by two of the best analysts here on the planet, starting with Logan Buchanan and Mitch Bates. Guys, this NBA Finals segment is jam-packed. We have so many great things to talk about, and I'm going to throw some heat culture on you. I got my Miami Heat jersey on today, my D-Wade Miami Vice jersey. It's going to be a great final segment, but... Before we even get into that, for those of you who listened to Jake Murren's final show last week, you know that we made a bet live on these airwaves about Game 7 between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. And that bet was, if 
the Miami Heat lost Game 7, I would have had to wear a Baker Mayfield jersey and admit that Heat culture was not real. If the Miami Heat won, which they did, mm-hmm. Jake Murren had to go on his personal social media and admit that Heat culture is real. And Jake Murren honorably did pay up on his bet. And guess what, folks? I have it live for you here on the air. So everybody sit back, get comfortable, and for the final time, hear Jake Murren on these airwaves admitting that heat culture is real, leaving his final words. He thought he said all his things last week. His final words on the WZIP airwaves are at his defeat. Everybody, enjoy this as much as I did. What's going on, everyone? I know I don't post much on Twitter, but yes, this is Jake Murren, and yes, I did lose a bet that I made last Sunday on my last Sports Power Talk with Logan Cogrove, my on-air rival, and as you can see, I'm wearing the most disgusting shirt I've ever put on, but I am here to say that heat culture is indeed real. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. There's no other way to explain the Heat winning Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics, then Heat culture being real. Coach Bolstra, Jimmy Butler, Hemi Buckets, all of it. I'm sorry. hate to inform you all that it is indeed real. But with that all being said, Nuggets in five, baby. Let's go. That was Jake Murn admitting that Heat culture is real live here on the WZIP Airwaves. And guess what, guys? You finally never have to hear Jake Murn's voice again. <laughs> Just kidding again, Jake. Not really, but yes, but now we'll see. But yes, Jake Murren, you heard it here first, knows that heat culture is real, and that really warms my heart, makes me feel good inside. Guys, what are your takeaways from what you just heard from our former sports director? Man, it feels good to see the heat get the recognition they deserve on these airways. For me, it feels sad. It feels like, it feels like Jake Murray. Did he sound like, do you think he sounded like defeated? Yes. I think so. Good. That's that's why Good. it's sad for me. I heard the defeat in his voice. I hate it. He was crying. He was so upset. No, please don't make me wear the shirt. Please. Have mercy. Have okay. mercy, director. I think there's a couple Congress. paraphrases in here. <laughs> what is going on? Have mercy, director. This might be libel. Jake. I appreciate you being a man of your word and owning up to what you said. But yes, the Miami Heat did win Game 7, which put them in the NBA Finals. And Game 1 has already occurred. The Miami Heat did fall to the Denver Nuggets on the road in Denver for Game 1. An excellent showing from the Nuggets, as much as I hate to admit it. Um, Guys, before we went into Game 1, what were your expectations for this game? Yeah, I mean, initially, I thought the Heat were going to ride their momentum after winning the Game 7. I I really thought it was going to be a lot closer. Did I think the Heat were going to win? No, not really. I did think the Nuggets were going to sweep, not sweep past them, but, like, get past them. But, man, the scores were way farther than I thought they'd be. That's exactly where I thought it was going to be. I've been picking Nuggets since the beginning of the playoffs. I've been saying multiple times over and over, Nuggets in five. I confidently believe in that. I thought they were going to take game one by a large margin. <laughs> Why are you okay. laughing over there, Mitch? Okay. That is the wrong answer, Mitch. That is absolutely the wrong answer. You and Jake Murren, you guys think Nuggets in five. You have a little bit too much power over there now. 
and I don't enjoy that. But it's nuggets and five, baby. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep buzzing, Mitch. Wow. Okay, Logan, what were your initial thoughts on Game One or before Game One? Yeah, I mean, just the scores being closer. That's uh, I just I I was really shocked by how underperformed they they actually played. Yeah, it the Heat's. This is coming from a Heat fan. The Heat's bench, even some of the Heat starters. Mm. Embarrassing. Mm. Max Struess was absolutely embarrassing mm-hmm. for the Miami Heat. Embarrassing performance. 0 for 9 from 3. When your one job for the Heat is to shoot threes, embarrassing. I mean, also look at guys like Martin and Vincent who just were not landing shots. Yeah, it oh, it irks me. that The Miami Heat showed up there and looked also like an 8 seed. Yeah. Yeah, and they haven't they this looked whole, like an eight seed. This whole playoff run, they've looked like a a good team, like maybe a four or five seed, but they definitely showed what they showed themselves. And another big factor in this loss, in my opinion, was the rotation. It was so weird. I mean, we we watched it live, and we were saying, "Why is that guy on the field? Why, where is where's Butler? Where's Bam?" It was. I don't know if that's to blame or if it's to the guys who just were not landing shots. What? To where's blame. Bam? What do you mean? Where's Bam? No, like we were watching the on game the on the court. He like they oh, were just the okay. Rotation. I took I took what you said out yeah. of context. No, the rotation just wasn't there. They they were removing Bam from the field or from the court when he was actually performing. Correct, which was not there for the prior four games. A hundred percent. Jimmy Butler had thirteen points. He was six for fourteen shooting. Caleb Martin, one for seven shooting, mm. three <laughs> points in 25 minutes. Mm. Bam bio great showing, 13 for 25, 26 points. Gabe Vincent, 38 minutes, seven for 14, 19 points. More than Jimmy Butler, which is not good. Yeah, Good for Gabe Vincent, but, I mean, mm, not you're not who we should be relying on. The worst starter, Max Struess in 21 minutes, 0 for 10, zero points. And then... You got guys like, and then Caleb Martin, I mentioned, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If your center has zero points, sure, you're probably looking at more rebounds and blocks. But your shooter, zero and zero for nine, you said? Zero. Max Struess? Yeah. Zero for ten. Zero for ten. That's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's abysmal. And that's why we'll get into it here in a second. But Max Struess has got to come out of the lineup, at least as a starter. I mean, the lights were just too bright for him. I, I, I've i never seen somebody shoot that bad. And why was he still in the game mm-hmm. at that point? That's pulling. what I'm saying. The rotation was so off. They were pulling guys who were actually balling out and putting in guys who just weren't, who were breaking. Right. On the other hand, the Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray, 44 minutes, 11 for 22, 26 points. Jokic, 40 minutes, 8 for 12, 27 points. Michael Porter Jr., 5 for 16, 14 points. Aaron Gordon, 36 minutes, and 16 points, a great showing. And then Bruce Brown off the bench was 4 for 7 with 10 points. Mm-hmm. That is a good rotation mm-hmm. and team basketball, which is why the Nuggets won this game 104 to 93, which that scoreline for the way the Heat played is way closer than it should have been. Exactly. Way closer than it should have been. We need to talk a little more about Jamal Murray and not even just going Indeed. against Miami, nothing like that. It's just Jamal Murray is one of the most dominant mid-range shooters that I've seen in the playoffs 
in this entire year. Like, I think he is the best mid-range shooter in the playoffs this year. He's definitely the ace in the Nuggets. I could see him winning finals MVP if the Nuggets win. He's so consistent. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that guy, and I knew that was going to be one of the biggest problems for Miami coming in. And that's why I said Boston matched up better with the Nuggets mm-hmm. than Miami did. And every sport, it's about matchups. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily about who's better than who. I think it's about matchups. And I would have loved Marcus Smart to be on Jamal Murray way more than I like Gabe Vincent mm-hmm. or Kyle Lowry. Hey, but Jamal. nobody wanted to see the Celtics in the finals, Mitch. I, I sure. agree completely, but I think as far as no, matchups go, it saying. was a much more... For sure. Percent. Yeah, I... I'm looking for a lot more out of the Heat in Game 2. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. more out of the Heat in Game 2. I want them to play how they've been playing this whole playoff run. You know, you guys you guys came over to watch the game at my at my place. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was <laughs> upset. Yeah. I was upset would be the word. I, I don't know if that's the best word to describe what, it, but... What, what, did, what <laughs> were you guys... What, what were you guys thinking watching the game with me? I was very entertained. I think it is my favorite... <laughs> basketball watching experience in a very long time you guys want to run it back tonight i i think we might have to of especially course. especially if your shirt takes the abuse that it did last night <laughs> my maryland monroe miami heat shirt is no longer in use it it is not in wearable condition anymore unfortunately Homie went seven rounds with a shirt hearing about what happened that shirt it's absolutely devastating. I want to say rest in peace. Rest in peace to Monroe. Monroe. Miami <laughs> Heat shirt. And look, I, for your sake, for your mental health and everything going on with you, Logan, I hope Miami <laughs> plays better tonight. But do you think you would be more mad if it was like a buzzer beater or an absolute blowout? Blowout. Absolute blowout. I'd be more mad. Because I watched a buzzer beater with Boston, and mm-hmm. I was just hurt by that. Mm-hmm. I was just disheartened. If we lose in another blowout... I, I'm not wearing. By the way, I'm not going shirts. I, will it I'm not gonna wear my nice vice jersey tonight in case Good. because I might tear it. Good. I might rip it in half Just if I have to watch you. that again. If I have to watch Max Drew shoot 0 for 10 again, I might tear it in half, and I don't really want to do that. Just it's a nice shirt. Just the names you were calling Jokic too is just <laughs> disrespect. Man. He's just complete. He's a great player. Like, why are you acting like he's garbage? He's such a good player. It's Jokic could have been anybody, guys. Jokic yeah, quite really literally could've. could have been anybody off the street. It just happened to be Jokic but that got him. these random basketball abilities to be good. Jokic is just a tall dude with basketball abilities. That's all he needs to be. I don't know Boy, where he got him from. Center. He's a tall guy with Dude got drafted during a Taco That's Bell every commercial. every center in the NBA. Dude got drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. And he's tearing up the Miami Heat. And everybody else in the league. I'm happy for Jokic. I don't get... And I also recall, I believe it was you, Buchanan, who said he doesn't have marketability. Who said that? I he did doesn't. not say that. You said It that. wasn't me, but I agree with it. Okay, I heard. You can't market You ever Jokic. seen Jokic in a commercial? Ever? I should. Why? I hope I do. Why? Because he's about to win the NBA you Finals. You think he's an intriguing enough player to get in? Does, does Jokic have a shoe contract? Okay, nope. but I don't. I don't think does that Jokic Austin ever, Reeves has a shoe contract. Does, yeah, but Austin Reeves is a personality. Jokic is, Jokic is not a personality. I, I that's get, why I don't like well, him. Well, that's the thing. Like as a fan perspective, yeah, it's good to have marketability. It's good to have that character. But for your team and for your organization, who needs your character? If you're balling on the court, ball on the court. In the words of Lana Sow, just now, stop the Jokic slander. 
<laughs> I agree. Hey, I will not what is stop this? slandering this boring, boring basketball player. I'll take a boring 30 points over 0 for like, 10 shooting by a Miami He's the joker. That's his case. He's the Joker. <laughs> Stop calling him that, man. He's just a boring basketball player. It's boring. It's a big old white dude. He's about to be a boring player with a ring. A, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. Again, Mr. Mitch Bates. That's because it will be Heat in six, no matter what. Oh, my God. Okay. But moving away from the Jokic slander and all of Mitch Bates' wrong answers. Okay. This is something that I've seen being passed around, and I'm I'm not making this excuse. As a fan, I am not making this excuse. You heard it here first because I don't agree with it as an excuse. The altitude in Denver. Nope. Does this? No. Nope. Is this a valid excuse? I nope. saw some Heat fans making this excuse, and I had to reply to a few of them. I was like, no. The, no. the excuse for the Miami Heat is not an excuse. It's our players didn't shoot. Oh, I'm sorry. You're a professional athlete. It does not matter the altitude. Like, I understand the broadcasters, uh, Chuck had to have some uh, breathers between shoots because he's a broadcaster. He doesn't play anymore. He's not trained like that. These guys are professionally trained athletes. I don't care if you're, like, a third up Mount Everest. You should still be performing, if not at peak, just below peak. Altitude is not a difference maker. It's not. No, not in the NBA. I was going to say, NFL, I feel like it's a little different. Because that's a breathing thing. That's yeah. outside. Yeah, and there's so much more sprinting, mm-hmm. hardcore contact in the NFL. So Denver Broncos makes more sense. But like you said, you're a professional athlete. You know what you're dealing with. You're built for this. You booked the flight before Game 7 for of sure. the last series. So you had to know what comes with being in Denver. It's, it's, it's not an excuse. I don't think there's any excuse at this point. No. It's not. There was no excuse for the way the Heat played mm-hmm. at all, and I better not see that same play tonight. That that was just not. The lights are too bright. The air is too thin. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah, you know what? Those are two non-valid excuses. Yeah, they're not. You're absolutely correct. Does Miami have any excuse? No. As in what? Okay. What about what about does the excuse of little rest? No. No. The, the nuggets, the nuggets were on eight. Days of rest because they earned it. Correct, <laughs> they earned it, and that is the correct. You know what, Mitch? For the first time today, <laughs> I, I'm correct take. Sorry, because the Nuggets mind. earned that, and the Heat almost did earn that, but then they choked. Well, so you know what? They did not earn that rest, and they deserve to have to play on the low rest. So no, not an excuse. I don't even care about low rest. Again, you're a professional athlete. <laughs> you're playing day to day. Some of your longest breaks are only two days. There's no excuse for this. You need – there's no excuse, especially in a finals appearance where you need to be putting in your best. You need to be putting in your best. And if you're treating this as, like, an everyday season, oh, my – I didn't get my rest. Oh, no, I, I'm the air's too thin. It's just excuses for bad players playing badly. Yeah, I absolutely agree. There, that's not – rest is not an excuse, as Mitch stated. The, the Nuggets earned that rest 100%. And the Miami Heat did not. But, hey, now we're going to move into Game 2. Mm. And one of the biggest storylines for Game 2 is the possibility that Miami will return Tyler Hero for the first time in the playoffs. I'm hopeful for this because I think he's very helpful to the rotation. But speaking of the rotation, how can the Heat integrate him after not playing for such a long period of time? Because my opinion on Tyler Hero is this. Tyler Hero, 
he is a guy that needs the ball, mm. which right now, fine. Maybe give him the ball because mm-hmm. nobody else can shoot, apparently. But when you put him on the floor with Jimmy Butler, sometimes I've noticed it hinders Jimmy Butler's performance because Tyler Hero wants the ball. How do you bring him into this rotation without affecting the way the Heat are playing? That was a perfect setup for what my opinion is. The boy wonder should not start. No. Should not start. He needs to be coming off the bench, and I would have him replacing a Jimmy Butler when uh, guys like, if you're going to have uh, Vincent or Martin, have uh, Hero come in for them and both them and Butler come out. Leave, Get Butler on the bench. Have Hero be the, the team leader on uh, put, the bench. Put Hero where he thrives yes. as a sixth man. He yes. won the sixth I, man of the year award. Yes, 100%. He should be the sixth man, someone you call in a few minutes into the first quarter, a guy you call in but in the third you, quarter. Do you trust Max Struess to start again? I think you don't have a choice. I, that's the thing. I don't think you really have a choice unless you bring in someone else. I honestly... Okay, my lineup for what the Heat should do and and I know we've talked about this, you're going to probably disagree with me, is Vincent and Martin at the one and two. Jimmy at small. Put Bam at power forward and put Cody Zeller on Jokic as center and wear <laughs> Jokic out. If Cody Zeller can wear Jokic out, that leaves a healthy Bam who already doesn't really play like a typical center in the power forward, and then later on move him to Jokic. So you have a healthy, less tired, less spent Bam on a spent Jokic. Yes. That's what I would do. And then have uh, Strauss and Hero come off the bench. I think that sounds good, but the task of wearing Jokic out Mm -hmm. is going to be tougher than writing it on a piece of paper. You know, And I agree with you as far as... Tyler Hero should be the guy taking the ball up the court as the sixth man. When the starters hit the bench for some rest, you let Tyler Hero take the ball Mm -hmm. up and do whatever he wants with it. And as far as mixing around the starting lineup, this late into the season, there's not, excuse me, there's not many other choices that you have. You can't really go sign someone. You're in the NBA Finals. Mixing things up. It could overcomplicate things, and it could give these guys, like, it could turn down their one opportunity to pick things mm-hmm. back up. We were just talking about Max Struess, like, oh, he's a crazy shooter. Mm-hmm. He's one of these undrafted guys that help carry the team that, here, like that, Martin did. That's like, why I'm not counting him out yet, but, I mean, I said this going into game one that I think Zeller should be on Jokic at the beginning and then right. put Bam on him. I think we saw... Jokic was still powering through where Bam kind of slowed down towards the last couple quarters. I just think if if they can't do it, they can't do it, but you got to let them try. Like, you can't just sit everyone who doesn't play well and throw someone else in there. You're not going to, oh, well, let's put in Udonis Haslam. Let's mix things up. Let's get crazy. I don't, I just think you got to trust the guys that you have in because there's not many other choices. And I don't even think guarding Jokic is the main worry that they have. I think guarding Jamal Murray, Murray yeah. is going to be 100%. the big issue. Jokic didn't even play to his full Until potential the in the first game. Yeah. I don't even think he was in the second half. I think that was like 85% Jokic. 
I think Jamal Murray is the real problem here, and that's going to shine in Game 2, well, I believe. That's my biggest worry with the Heat against the Nuggets is they're only going to focus on one or the other. They're not going to mm-hmm. dual focus. For sure. Which is where they're going to fall through. It's hard to do. It and is. And they have it Michael is. Porter Jr. making threes. Oh, and you got MPJ, baby. KCP is capable of making these shots. You got Bruce. It's so many different hey, problems. Great segue, Mitch, because my next question for you guys is, who is more – actually – this is our Around the Roof question, Mitch. Great setup. <laughs> around the Roof, for those of you guys who don't know, is we pose a question to you on Twitter, and you guys vote, and we re- reveal the answers the following week on our show. This week's question for Around the Roof is, who is more necessary to their team's success, Caleb Martin for Miami or Michael Porter Jr. for Denver? I'm going to go with Michael Porter Jr. I think Caleb Martin, there's a couple guys who can fill his role that he's been playing, although I love Caleb Martin, think he should have won Eastern Conference uh, MVP. That one word shouldn't exist, but Michael <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. has has been a key feature in the Nuggets, as well as a lot of the guys. Like like I've been saying, the Nuggets and he are playing team basketball, but Michael Porter Jr. is a key aspect to that rotation. I would regularly agree with you as far as saying Michael Porter Jr., but I think in the situation right mm-hmm. now. I think it's Caleb Martin. Mm. I think he is desperately needed right now Mm -hmm. because if Jimmy can't carry the entire load like he has for most of these playoffs, Caleb Martin is so much more important to that team's success than MPJ. There's several other options that are more consistent in Denver and not Miami right now. Interesting. Yeah, I would agree. As a Heat fan, (laughs) we really need Caleb Martin to be a little bit more than he was in Game 1. But maybe... But I can also see the other side of this mm-hmm. because if Tyler Harrow is going to be playing, we don't need Martin as much. Yeah, He can be pulled off a little bit. You know, guys, with five minutes left in our show, another big question I wanted to talk about before we get to close out. Kevin Love has completely lost his spot in the Heat's rotation. And I am not a Kevin Love fan. Do not get me wrong. But I think Kevin Love should absolutely be on the floor for the Heat. 100%. 100%. And I think Kevin Love should have a role in playing against Jokic. I because all you have is Bam or Cody Zeller. Yeah. And I don't trust Cody Zeller mm-hmm. at all to guard Jokic. I, I think K Love is a great option. Personally, I would have the duo of Tyler Hero and K Love come off the bench. I think that would kind of be a little nasty to have an experienced guy like K Love being able to set up Tyler Hero for these great shots. I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have against Jokic unless you put him up at the starter position, which it could could work. I just don't see Eric Spolster doing that. The thing that Kevin Love adds, which I think is needed, is rebounds. Because this mm. Miami team is not anywhere near out-rebounding the Denver Nuggets. You'll notice the second chance points for the Nuggets played a big role in Game 1. And... Uh, we heard loud and clear by Logan Congrove's screams, <laughs> get the rebound. <laughs> you know, I think Kevin Love is one of the better people to do that. I think that's one of his most underrated features when he was in Cleveland mm-hmm. was the rebounds that this guy can grab and some of the passes that he can make too. Exactly. And I know he's not the same Kevin Love as the Cleveland days, but you need anything you can get with Miami, and he's just sitting there. You're mm-hmm. not even giving him a chance. Yeah. Kevin Love needs to be back in our rotation. Plain and simple. There's no question about it. Before we close out our show, what are your score predictions for game two tonight? All right. I'm going to go 112 to 109 
with the Nuggets taking game two, putting them up 2-0. Uh, you know, I'm looking at Murray putting in another great performance. I agree 100% as far as Murray putting up another great performance. I also have the Denver Nuggets taking game two. I'm going to say it's close around 115 to 110. I have the Miami Heat in game two in mm-hmm. a similar scoreline as game one. It should be it should be closer now that the Heat may have th- some things figured out. We'll see how Tyler Hero plays out as well. Guys, that's going to about do it for our show. Any final thoughts from you guys? Nah, I just love watching some basketball. You know, baseball season, let's kind of get these rotations going. Absolutely, Mitch. Yep, uh, hopefully the Nuggets continue <laughs> to dominate. No. Incorrect, Mitch. <laughs> and Logan doesn't. If the rip Sounder wasn't shirts. playing already, I would have wrong answered that. <laughs> I'm gonna say a couple nice things to your shirts before they get ripped apart tonight. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our show, Jake. I apologize for the slander. You know it's all love, brother. Hey, shout out to Akron City FC. They're playing in Erie today. Our NPSL soccer team. Let's hope they can finally get on the win. We got Pat Weber out traveling with the team today. Me and Logan Buchanan back here at home base for the team. Shout out Heat Culture. It's gonna be a good one tonight. On my new department, thank you all so much for choosing me as your leader and putting your trust in me. It's going to be a great new era of WZIP Sports. Entertainment Rebooted is coming up next. You won't want to miss that. Another great show from that crew. And also one final plug to my Walsh Jesuit girls soccer team as their graduation is today. Congrats to my seniors. Fantastic job. Fantastic four years. You will be missed. But that's going to do it for Sports Power Talk. Once again, joining me is Logan Buchanan, Mitch Bates, and I am Logan Congrove. And I'm going to say this one final time for Jake Murren. Be kind and show love to all. And come back next week right here on Z88. You will not want to miss it. Another great show ahead. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.